Greetings and welcome to Guaranteed Audio, Episode 8. I am Kevin James, joined with my esteemed colleagues... Ryan Murphy. And Neil Ciceriga. Uh If you've stumbled upon this podcast by accident, uh, you can go and listen to every episode we've ever recorded at guaranteedaudio.com and check out all of our video content at guaranteedvideo.com. I believe they both go to the same URL currently, but... <laughs> well, Guaranteed Video brings you to our patron Patreon yes. page. Guaranteed Audio goes to the post with the info. With the iTunes link, yeah. the RSS feed, the Google Play link, all that stuff. They're just handy URLs to have. Write them down on a piece of paper, stick it in your wallet so you always have them. Put on the inside of your locker. Yes. And if this is the first time you've listened to our podcast, it's also the first time you've seen our Whoa. podcast. In 3D. This might be the only time we ever do a video podcast. Yeah. But we figured, we figured it'd be fun to do one of these at some stage and see how difficult it would be to pump out. Might become a regular thing, uh, depending on how the Patreon does. <laughs> um, but here we are today. It's the Ides of February. We're yes. just past Valentine's Day. Uh, to date us, Black Panther came out last night at midnight. Mm-hmm. So that'll give you a good social metric. Milestone. Yeah, 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 that's when this got recorded. So how's everyone doing? Good. Good, good today. Yeah, pretty good. It's it's kind of a nice day. <laughs> it is. It's like 40 degrees out. Yeah, it's 40 degrees out. Beautiful. <laughs> Do we have any new business with Guaranteed Video? I mean, we have. Well, we did make a decision recently. We are going to release some content from the Guaranteed Video vaults. Yes. Uh, which <laughs> so we've been doing this for seven months uh, we've been making movies since 2005 together but for those of you in the know we've been putting out patron exclusive content like videos bonus features behind the scenes stuff yeah, since that, last summer basically yeah since july and we've had a lot of stuff we've put out that a lot of people can't see because it's in that it's behind that paywall i guess you'd say and we've decided that after seven months we're going to release the first month worth of content to the public Mm-hmm. which would be everything we made for The Lawn Mowing Man, <laughs> which uh, includes uh, The Lawn Mowing Man without special effects. Oh, the public hasn't seen that. No you seen see, this. we've enjoyed it so many times <laughs> It's now. basically, it's me and Ryan screaming at nothing. Yeah, and then me like You're doing really bad visual effect shots, like just oh, awkwardly yeah, yeah. dropping stuff and running off camera. Does it use the original footage of you or is it just an empty plate? Uh, 50-50. Okay. Really bad compositing. There's also a podcast on how we made that movie. There's some other stuff. But yeah, we're. I don't think we're going to do this every 30 days or anything like that. But I just think we we wanted to get some more of that stuff out to the public. So that's that's sort of it for housekeeping, right? I mean. I think so, yeah. I Hopefully mean, no, none of the, exclu- the backers at that level have an issue with that, right? It's been seven months. It's been seven months, yeah. Yeah, yeah. We really appreciate all our patrons. Yeah. We do. Six months was my litmus test for... Discussing the end of Breaking Bad. I, I think that, that, no, that's that's a good when it comes to content. At six months, it's okay to discuss it without feeling, without, you can still say spoiler alerts in public mm-hmm. if you, you know, to be discreet, to be respectful. But at six months, the burden of proof is on the, is on the third party, on the, on the other. For those who don't know, Walter White just flies away and it's yeah. a very controversial ending. Into the sun. He just flies. And there he's <laughs> the Dr. Melfi. Yeah. I'll be right here. He touches <laughs> Jesse on his shoulder. And, um, right here. We have one more bit of news to get out there and it's uh, Year of the Snake. Yes, of course. For those I, of Apparently, you- all right. First of all, that's not the year it is now. <laughs> the Chinese, it just we the just, dog, right? It's, year of, the it's dog? year of the dog. It was just the Chinese New Year, like yesterday or something like that. And um, last year was also not the year of the snake. It's just the title. The dragon, of, right? No, the horse. Uh, I don't know. 
but not Year of the Snake. No, anyway, Year of the Snake is a video we did last month um, wherein Ryan buys a snake, and I live with Ryan, Snakes. and I don't approve of the snake, and I make him throw it away. And it's a good, uh, it's a good video. We're really proud of it, and it just got into the Boston Underground Film Festival. Which means you'll be able to see it on the big screen at the Brattle Theater on March 24th, which is a Saturday. And uh, this will be our second movie we've gotten into the Boston Underground Film Festival, the third mm-hmm. one I've worked on. Uh, my, the first one I got in was The Creed. Mm-hmm. Um, we got Computer Fighters in last year. And um, yeah, we're really proud of Year of the Snake. So if you're in New England, you're in the Boston area that Saturday, come down to the Brattle Theater. It's going to be in a block of, I assume, comedy films. We don't know the name of the block. But they also put The Creed into a block of horror films when I submitted yeah. that and it got in. Year of the Snake. Yeah. I think it's a com- it's definitely a comedy, but it does it pretends to be a horror movie like so many of our comedies do. <laughs> um, I think yeah, it- if you think about it, those of you who are patrons helped contribute to get this film made and now it's in a festival. And uh, if we win an award, it's like we all won an award together. <laughs> That's what most people on podcasts do, right? They yeah. pretend like, yeah, this is a victory for all of us. Yeah. That I bought this new car with yeah. your money. <laughs> um, it's like you're driving with me, <laughs> but you're not. It's like you're happy too. Um, I think that's it for our housekeeping. So sure. yeah. we, we can move on to our regular segment, which is media current. <laughs> media current. I'm still going to play a little theme song because this is a visual medium medium now. <laughs> That's the wrong way. Media current. There you go. Ryan, what have you been consuming lately? Funny you mention that, Kevin. Right before we started recording, we were all discussing how last week, after the Super Bowl, Kevin James and I watched the Cloverfield Paradox. And it was bad. It was objectively, measurably bad. There are several. Paradoxically bad? No. I wish I could say that. Yeah. That, that, would, that would be cute, right? That could add up, but it doesn't. Just so we're on the same page. Neil, you've seen Cloverfield. You've only seen 10 I've Clover- only seen uh, 10 Cloverfield Lane. Yeah. Which is fun. And I, just this last week, rewatched 10 Cloverfield Lane to see, in my mind's eye, was I remembering it with rose-tinted glasses? No, it was really good. It was a really good movie. I'd happily rewatch it again, and I saw it less than a week ago. I think out of the three of them, Neil... This isn't to dissuade you from watching the other two. I yeah. do think Ten Cloverfield Lane would be your favorite. I, it's I cool. I, I mean, the others don't have um, John Goodman in them, so I think that's oh, for all you know. Um, the first one's my favorite. I, I I love the second one, but the first one. Every time I go back to it, I have this hesitation of like, is this going to be kind of dumb? Am I giving this movie too much credit? Is this kind of like a cheap like monster movie with like you know, well motion track visual effects for 2008 or whatever. Mm-hmm. And it, I've watched it like five times, saw it twice in theaters the opening weekend. And no, I adore it. I love that movie. It's my I favorite. I got to check it out. It's something I worry that is something that you just had to be there for. There is a bit of that. Yeah. I, 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 if yeah. you go in with that sobering foundation, like this isn't going to be like an A plus movie. It's but Just pretend I've never seen I, a found footage movie. Before, I love it. You know? I, I think it's a great piece of entertainment. Uh, Ryan and I are, you know, we, we were so hyped, and my girlfriend Hillary was going to watch it with us. She did. Ryan drove up to Salem. We got together. Ryan and I were so excited, like little kids, like, we're going to watch, oh, we're going to watch Cloverfield Paradox. We're going to watch it. And Hillary, like 20 minutes before we watched the movie, sat down at her desk in the office in our apartment, and she just went to, you know, Rotten Tomatoes and Googles and just looked to see what the word on the street was. And everyone was saying, oh, it's terrible. She looked over to the living room. 
at Ryan and I, and we were like playing pixel junk monsters or something like, Oh man, I can't wait to watch Cloverfield in 20 minutes when our pizza gets here or whatever we were doing. Um, and she didn't tell us that's saintly. That was very nice of her. Yeah. It took us about half an hour to realize it was terrible though. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Not bad. (laughs) Terrible. I thought as we were discussing earlier, it's pretty cool that the big teasers and the big trailers for fun stuff this spring, next summer, maybe even next year, maybe even more than 12 months from now, they get premiered, they get brought up at the Super Bowl. And for the first time ever, this may make this podcast sound very old in the not-too-distant future, they had, for between our online media consumption, Netflix, Amazon Prime, Hulu, to go... Oh, there's a new Clo- Clover. There's a new Cloverfield movie, and it's out right now. After the game, you can watch it right now. And I thought that's pretty cool. It was only a matter of time before somebody took advantage of this really expensive ad space at the Super Bowl for something immediately streaming that's going to be big. Now, for a movie that you awkwardly schlocked on the Cloverfield title after the fact, as an afterthought, because you'd made a huge mistake and, a, and you really confused and befuddled your way through this production, maybe the Super Bowl is not the best time for your project that like you kind of wanted under the rug. Well, well, isn't that kind of what happened with 10 Cloverfield Lane, too? It was a different movie, well, and they well, added the title on it. Basically, really... no, I, I could be talking out of my ass. J.J. Abrams' Bad Robot. Like mm-hmm. his production company, uh, put together Cloverfield Paradox, uh, originally titled The God Particle. There, there are other podcasts that have gone into this. So we'll try. I'll, pro- I'll try and be abbreviated. Mm-hmm. They shot the movie. They watched the movie. It was real bad. So JJ and company go, okay, we'll make it a Cloverfield movie. So they go in. They do some basic reshoots, some really cheap dubs and ADR. Like Simon Pegg is in the first five minutes of the movie, going, "Today marks the historic launch of the USS Cloverfield." That's the name of the spaceship, right? I don't think there's ever an establishing shot that shows that it's called the USS Cloverfield. It's completely bullshitted in last minute. And there's yeah. one after the fact, but it's it clearly could have been called the HMS like piece of shit. It doesn't it, really it, matter. There's a, but the thing is, the whole movie is that. The whole movie is, oh, by the way, it's a Cloverfield movie. There were reshoots done to introduce a B plot, a B story that just haphazardly ties it in to the universe of these other two movies. And what ends up happening is behind the scenes is they get that far. And they start working in post. And according to an interview that got out with J.J. Abrams, they wanted to release in April. They wanted another two months to work on it. Netflix shows up and says, oh, hey, I hear you got a turd on your hands. How much did it cost to make? And they go, $45 million. They go, oh, we'll give you five, uh, $50 million. $5 million profit immediately. You don't even have to market the movie. You don't have to spend money marketing. Now, traditionally, your marketing budget matches your production budget. On most movies, unless you have some incredibly cheap movie, and like you know, then it gets all disoriented. But the movie costs 150 million. You usually spend another 150 million to market it, which is why something like, uh, like the, the new Avengers movie is actually like a 500 million dollar movie if you think about it. It'll yeah. make 500 million. So JJ and company say, "To hell with it. Here, just take the movie." They weren't allowed. They really didn't get to finish it, and it shows. There's some really awkward decisions made in the story. Uh, there's there's some terrible characters. Some really just. Overall, I just thought it was a really bad movie. And I think it's very disappointing in that it, it tries to tie in the previous two movies. And no one wanted that. No, no, Who needs to see everything belong to one of ten franchises at this point? Why, why do we need... It tries to explain away every paranormal event in any film. Literally any film. That's any the thesis. film that could potentially be made under this title? Yeah, in the first five minutes. There's like a, a scene <sighs> where 
the Alex Jones type. Yeah, we, we keep forgetting the Infowars piece of shit. That... Yeah, yeah. What's uh, what's the character? But he, the, he explains away like, oh, if they turn on this collider in space, it could open up portals to let demons and monsters come through. He literally uses the word demons, and he that's says, when Ryan confirms monsters, monsters. Did you even mean, the mummy, like even the just it comes off like um in the present, the past, or the future. Oh yeah. Okay, just to cover all our bases. So, so like literally, so time Got doesn't it. matter anymore. It, it, it's yeah. it's basically. A, a, a provocation. Why there's an island where some plane where a plane crashed recently? Honestly, <laughs> you'd laugh, but that's that's yeah. the thesis of this movie. That's the, yeah. The, their particle accelerator yeah. is the leftovers, and now it's lost in the flight <sighs> oceana flight piece of shit. It's, it doesn't it's, matter. It's and that's and that happens in the first five minutes. I'm and getting the, angry now. All they've done is yeah. cheapen the experience of other fun such, stuff. It's <laughs> such a bummer. It's such a bummer because what makes things scary is the fear of the unknown and applying this metric to it, this unnecessary storytelling metric to it takes so much fun out of the other films and it's it's a really lazy explanation like it's a really lazy explanation like oh we made a machine that lets things come through time and space so like somewhere in space there's the cloverfield monster sure it, not? it'll just you know when they do that in like quentin tarantino movies it's really just it's like for the trivia page you know yeah like if two characters have the same last name, yes, it's yeah. not supposed to matter. It doesn't matter. It's just there. It's if quaint. you catch it, it's nice, you know. This like I've always thought if if Tarantino ever did some project where they're in an old folks' home and there's some ancient guy in a wheelchair with a swastika carved into his forehead, I'd go, huh? That's oh, it. Yeah, That's yeah. what Wizard, he got. I remember Wizard, that one. Yeah. Wizard. <laughs> I mean, like other than other than watching the Cloverfield Paradox. I mean, has there been anything else you've watched or read lately? Because I. I well, is that your media current? As I feel well? I feel like if I was to add anything else, it would just be that I've been rewatching the Mission Impossible movies uh, yes. with my girlfriend, and she she's been really into them. Mm-hmm. Uh, like probably I, the best thing that J.J. Abrams has done, right? In terms of directing, yeah, I really like Mission Impossible Three. I bring it up a lot. It's I think it's uh, unsung because um, it came out when Tom Cruise was at an all time low in the public opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, rewatch those. We're about to rewatch five, which I've only seen twice. Once with you guys. And once on Blu-ray, that's the one with Rebecca Ferguson and uh, Alec Baldwin. Um, I forgot. <laughs> he's, yeah, I can't wait. I can't wait for six. It looks awesome, man. Tom Cruise actually did like a month of training to learn how to fly helicopters to do those stunts. Oh, I forgot to watch that. Oh, we'll watch it after this. Yeah, okay. It I looks, forgot to watch that. Season, it looks yeah. awesome. All right, cool. And as yeah. we discussed last, tragically, these movies are fun. These movies are really tragically. good, but tra- no, the, tragically, tragically, they are a Tom Cruise vehicle, and that's fine because these movies are good and fun. I just said that, but there's obviously a but coming in the sentence. Tom Cruise is <laughs> forever tied to the really, really problematic history of Scientology. Yeah, he is the poster child, the yeah. poster boy of Scientology. It, Ryan showed me, and I know everyone's probably seen it, like that, like video that got out of him, like explaining Scientology. And why it's oh, yeah. beautiful. Where it's like two notes off from the Mission Impossible theme for they, like 20 they, minutes They loop straight. the Mission Impossible theme. It's really weird. Um, I, I, I hear he's out of fucking mind. I hear he and Travolta both kind of like have learned hmm. that they need to get. But that might just be one of those things that's something I heard someone saying that I, I have this bias to. I really want to like Tom Cruise. Exactly. Right. I really want to like him. And um, but, If their poster trial was Danny DeVito... Guys, I don't think we'd still be talking about the horrors of Scientology because they are a horrific organization. Everyone mm-hmm. likes M Ms. He's their he's their spokesman right now. He's... Wasn't there a <laughs> oh, was, oh was there a Scientology yeah was there a Scientology commercial during the Super Bowl? Did I remember that right? I heard something about that, but I didn't. Yeah. I couldn't yeah. tell you. But I think I saw a video of people like saying like, "What the 
fuck. The, like, only com- the only commercials I really caught while watching the Super Bowl were uh, Mission Impossible. When I saw Cloverfield, I turned my head away immediately because I'm like, oh, that's the Cloverfield movie. I don't want to know what's going to happen in it. I was watching it with my neighbors, and I think they had like digital uh, digital antenna kind of thing, which I, I never use. But um, it was weird. The Super Bowl came in fine, and then during the ads, like the picture started to stutter, like it was buffering. There was like some. Huh. There was like some like ten seconds of black that aired during the Super Bowl. There was a like, very conspicuous. It's like, it's like an eleven million dollar glitch or something. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> Oopsie boop. And it, yeah. to the best of my follow up with this, uh, hit everyone. Everyone had this delay. Yeah. But, Oops. Yeah, we're not a sports podcast, but we like the commercials during the Super Bowl. Yeah, the Eagles earned that Super Bowl victory. Sure, they 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 played a better game. Yeah, that's my only thought on that Super Bowl. Is I no, I actually it's <laughs> like for the I never really watched football, but I did watch like the second half of that game. I like caught up on the story so far, and yeah, like whatever. They can take down the Rocky statue now. They have a real sports <laughs> hero. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, they had a fake one. Oh yeah, who was the guy who was kind of like the star of that game? Um, Daniel DeVito. No. Yes, <laughs> Daniel DeVito. Camera Mick, zoom. Mickey Kaline, I think, was the. All right, whatever. All right. <laughs> Let's move on. Oh, yeah. My media current. Yeah. Um, you sent me the link to a Captain Disillusion video. Yeah. Uh, because you thought it would be relevant to something we're going to be talking about uh, soon on the yeah. podcast. Um, and I'm a subscriber to Captain Disillusion. Me too. Look him up if you don't, uh, if, if you don't know who he is. Um, he's just a guy who debunks viral videos yeah. and he has this kind of superhero persona yeah he's been um, doing he's been in the game for over a decade now i think yeah his, his oldest old, videos are like almost, I two, say? Uh, almost 10 years no more like. than i mean if his oldest stuff's 2004 no 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 it's like i think it is it's 2008 all right really yeah. I, th- I thought i thought he'd been doing it since 07 i could be wrong maybe maybe 07 he's like been doing that. it since youtube was four by three Yes. Yeah, so, to, 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 but yeah, um, he's been doing them a long time. His production God. values are great. Yeah. I well, what, what happened was I watched that video and then I went to his channel and I kind of caught up on all the stuff from the past like two years that I've just kind of have slept on. I've been watching the same. I'm doing the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and we can talk about this because that's very relevant to um, the discussion of uh, why don't we get views on YouTube when we have all these subscribers? And it just reminded me, like, you know, I'm a huge fan of this guy. He does great work and. Even I just haven't watched him in two it, years. It feels like in the last month he's blown up. He was on yeah. the H3 podcast, and I think that helped him. He went like I think a year and a half ago. He had a hundred thousand subscribers on YouTube. Mm-hmm. As of today, he has like six hundred thousand. Six hundred thousand. Yeah. <laughs> so he's blown up. People have finally caught on to like. I don't know what it is. There's some secret sauce about him right now. I don't know if he had a particular video that blew him out, but I think, I I, I think people are starting to get starved for a certain type of content on the intelligent internet. Intelligent content? Yeah. like Because he is, again, we keep... Uh, he's really good. He's very talented. Uh, all his videos are uh, insanely well edited because that's his well background. Paced. He's a uh, yeah. he's an effects guy who uses his effects knowledge to figure out what videos are faked. Yeah. And, his father um, is some sort of camera operator. His father shoot... You at least used to shoot a lot of his stuff when he was younger. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's totally like a family, uh, family thing. I think he shoots it in his basement or yeah. something. He's still wearing... The like the costume he wears is clearly like something he had laying around yeah. ten years ago, and he's just kind of stuck with it now. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but most importantly, I think what he does that's great is the way he handles bitterness in a really relatable way. But that's also he like gives a fair shake to everything. He's constructive. He, he's constructive. He kind of talks over like why do people watch these things? Is there entertainment value in it? Do people like to be fooled? Do people, you know, he really like. He considers all angles. The message of the show is use your brain. Don't become passive. Don't 
stop questioning things like, even even maybe when they're you know maybe it's okay to watch a dumb ufo video as long as you know it's not real exactly in the same way that you know i've worked in a, i've worked on a lot of reality tv shows and a lot of my friends a lot of people i wholeheartedly respect as very smart people far smarter than me watch things like the bachelor mm-hmm. and they know it's fake but they have to go in knowing it's fake in order for, for there to be some level like to th- I, I, for it's them, like wrestling, know. you know? Rest, yeah. 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 What do you mean? No. <laughs> uh, it's like Captain D regularly goes to skeptic conventions and public forums where yeah. people like the amazing Randy or like Penn and Teller to go like, no, within the wheelhouse of literally performance artists and magicians. Yeah. Mm-hmm. People who fool for a living but are also famous debunkers. Yeah. yeah. By the way, he is much more palatable than um Penn. Yes. <laughs> Penn yes. He he talks about that exact topic though, about a lot of debunkers uh, are, are are just hard to listen to because they're know it alls. Yes. Um, no, well, what he does is you, dumb. Can, you can That's... tell like you can tell people buying into things that are fake really bothers him. Uh, like he doesn't he doesn't get it. Um he doesn't get why someone might want to watch UFO videos. Yeah. Oh, he gets it, but like he doesn't, that's not something he would do. Sure. Um, but he, like I said, he kind of like sees all angles of it. He understands yeah. that there's an entertainment value in everything. That learning people, is fun. Yeah. And, like and learning is fun. Looking at how as something well. got made is cool. And he like works just so hard to make his videos as entertaining as the t- videos they're, he's tearing down. They're like one part essay, one part technical debunk, one part like. 90s throwback in terms of their aesthetic yeah and their comedy skits too yeah Yeah. and i i think i think the thing that i relate to him most i I relate to him in a myriad of ways but the thing that spoke to me most recently was just him diving into the subject matter of like man like like everything's getting algorithmic in terms of social media distribution we want to get into that later i shouldn't open that can of worms now that's gonna be our big topic later i mean i guess his material is reactionary to a degree oh yeah but it's not a talking head hyper jump cut top 10 list every week you know uh every day you know i i, I don't i i don't he's not an ambulance chaser in that regard i, I no, think he's like a real showman I think. yeah yeah, yeah. He, he gives which, your, which makes sense because he is actually uh from a family of circus <laughs> yeah, he's from a, a family yeah. of circus performers yeah, yeah he's uh i didn't realize i thought he had like a midwestern accent or something but he's from russia originally R- russia and then a floridian oh, yeah yeah, Th- yeah. That's, that's, what, that's what russia and florida sound like when you put them in a blender yeah yeah huh. <laughs> i because i always kind of thought that with the silver face makeup he was like almost trying to speak robotically but knowing if, if no, English it's just is... like the hint of an accent. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's got a great voice for what he does. Like he does. he's a very you know patient. Explain. I was actually going to make a comment. I will to the effect that you like you said you have to be able to present informing ignorant and ill-informed people that they're wrong. You have to present it as sort of cuddly teddy bearish. He he presents a, sort of a fake comic book character the way Adam Conover is literally a G-rated cartoon. Yeah, he shows up like the bear that the honey jar is shaped after, or the honey's in the jar that's a bear. You know what I mean? He, well, he's, it's he's, a cartoon, he, and he has to just come there with a smile in his face and go, "You're a fucking dumb piece of shit." He's, he's, he's got a little Beekman, a little Captain Planet, Bingo. a little yeah, uh, yeah. Max Headroom, right? Yeah, versus I think like Penn and Teller's bullshit, which is really just aggressive. Like, ah, fuck these people, ah, you know. Like, yeah. <laughs> and I watched that. You show. You want to like that show? You want to like, like that show? And it's like it half of it. You. It's half a good show, half terrible libertarian garbage. But yeah, yeah, yeah. hyper libertarian. Um, libertarian. Like, <laughs> we don't I, even care if you change a channel. We can tell you've been canceled. Yeah. Yes. Um, but okay, I, I I think Captain D is a good segue into our conversation about social media neutrality. 
it'll be real great. Well, we're back. A dinosaur story. And now we're going to talk about YouTube. Social media neutrality. Yes, thank you. So uh, I came across an article in the Wall Street Journal a couple weeks ago, and I sent it to you guys uh, mm-hmm. to read for homework. For this. I didn't do it. I'm sorry. It's totally fine. <laughs> okay. Neil. Uh, and you read it, though. I did. I can fake knowledge. So basically, the, uh, the subject matter, social media neutrality, mm-hmm. um, is everyone right now is concerned about net neutrality, rightfully so. Uh, which is, you know, when if, if a content provider can't access you because the internet connection company decides, discriminates, discriminates, which they shouldn't be able to do. Yeah, they're not neutral in terms of what data you're receiving. Yeah, if Comcast decides that Netflix doesn't get the same fast lane that Google does or whatever, you should they, know this by now. Anyway, please look this up. This is very important. Learning about net neutrality at all is fantastic, and it is necessary yeah. for a well-informed population for yeah. part of a well-educated society mm-hmm. yeah. uh but if you just figure this out because of a burger king ad campaign <laughs> about hamburgers hey whatever gets, them, whatever gets like, them in the right ex- exactly <laughs> burger king you motherfucker you're not heroes but i guess for the f- i'm glad thank we're you. recording <laughs> thank, thank you. you burger king well i don't i have no idea what you're talking about burger not king ran that. a campaign that informed people what that neutrality was i'm 2018 off to a great so, start so Better than nothing. Social media neutrality, though, uh, is this, I wouldn't call it a phenomenon, but this natural progression we've been going down on networks like Twitter, Facebook, uh, Tumblr, YouTube now. I guess Patreon, but it's a little more of a one-way street And definitely Instagram. Instagram, where um, a long time ago, when this platform Twitter launched, half the appeal of it was it was linear, meaning... When people posted to Twitter, your feed, when you'd go on Twitter to look at your content from your friends or everything they've been talking about, would be presented chronologically. It's just a list of the most recent tweets. Yeah. Yep. And that's how Facebook kind of worked. Mm-hmm. That's how YouTube worked with subscriptions and so forth. But now we've all kind of crept into this era where everything is algorithmically decided in how it's going to be presented to you. And sure, there are ways to get to the linear content. Like there are plugins for Chrome that don't exist on mobile. There are supposedly, uh, if you click "Show me this less" on Twitter, then you don't get those, those, those. Um, here's something you may have missed, but you totally saw it. Things, yeah, which are just annoying. But a few people, including us, have started to pick up on you know how how do, how do 500, 600,000 YouTube subscribers translate into. 18,000 hits on a video. Um, Captain D did a whole video on this, and I, I loved it. It really spoke to me after reading this Wall Street Journal piece. It was uh, probably, I probably saw the Captain D video because Google algorithmically decided I'd want to see that after yes. reading the Wall Street Journal, <laughs> which is screwed up. That just deserves a classic Joe Biden. Oh, God. Oh, God. Um, so, but basically, that's what I wanted to get into was um, we're in a new era because uh, Facebook recently came out and said, Hey, uh, you're going to stop seeing as many uh, Facebook pages on your feed. It's going to be more about what your friends want you to see, which is, I'm sorry, that's just their corporate cover for we're going to charge Facebook pages to get their posts noticed mm-hmm. more. That's that's what they're doing, right? I mean, I, I, I have a million more examples like on birthdays now with Facebook, you're encouraged to donate your birthday to a cause, like a fundraiser. Mm-hmm. On paper, this looks like a very selfless act. Altruistic, right? Yes. Oh, I'm gonna, very. It's not. 
it's because Facebook now has a crowdfunding platform built into it. And they don't want you to go to GoFundMe, Indiegogo, Kickstarter. All that money has to come to Facebook. Facebook has a Craigslist uh, analog. Mm -hmm. And before we get to the Craigslist, because before we steal Craigslist from Craigslist, (laughs) uh, those campaigns, how long do they last, Kevin? 30 days. Ah. So get this. There are now options in Facebook to ignore your friends for exactly 30 days, which is the length of 90% of crowdfunding campaigns. And that launched the same week as the birthday crowdfunding option. So your theory is that they they want people. So when Facebook does launching, not want you to leave Facebook yes. under any set of circumstances. Yeah. So like if you post a link to a Craigslist post on Facebook, algorithmically, it will not be floated. It won't yeah. be floated up. But if you make a marketplace post on Facebook, I mean, it's, it's I guess it's their right to do so. Right. Sure. Because yeah. it's a private company. But like all that garbage is why I kind of don't go on Facebook. I use Facebook's Messenger. Facebook actually has a pretty good, if you're doing group chats, it's pretty good. Um, we use it to communicate. Yeah, and I'm more of a Google Hangouts guy. Google Hangouts is also great, but Facebook, for, for whatever reason, it just like, it does work for me. Yeah. Um, but in terms of as a social network, I cannot stand Facebook. Yeah. I don't use it to promote things anymore. You yeah. basically are in charge of the New Kids on the Rock. The guaranteed uh, page, video the guaranteed- page. Yeah video page um yeah. uh it was a hard battle to change it into the guaranteed oh my God. <laughs> about that but yeah like it's in facebook the has a lot of problems right mm-hmm. but it, it's getting um very difficult to reach people organically if you're not just ambulance chasing some other marketing campaign like why make an original thing if you can't even get people from facebook to go to youtube right why not just make a Black Panther spoof this week. Yeah. Because that's what people are going to be Googling. Not even a spoof, a... Uh, review. A review but, 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 reaction. Like, well, that's what, now that's what everyone's being kind of forced to make to go up in search engine optimization, to go up in SEO on YouTube and Twitter video and Facebook video. Like, it's just You mean where they have to be so immediately responsive, they record the video between the four of them holding it in the car ride home they ha- you have, because they can't even wait till they drive and, home. And that stuff's been going on and there have been people who... I've been and hey we feel you yeah yeah like I understand you got to get noticed somehow but there's even less incentive now to make stuff that's not um, playing to that algorithm you have to now cater to what Facebook and I, I keep we keep throwing Facebook under the bus but they all do it yeah like YouTube's doing it now you know uh, for better or worse I, I, I'd say worse once they introduced that notification bell two years ago by the way, click yeah, the Twitter, notification yeah. bell on YouTube. Oh, on YouTube. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Please click that. When we post a new video, it'll make your phone buzz and then for you'll those, know it happened. Yeah. For those of you who don't check YouTube as often as you used to, which is a lot of people, we can measure this. Yeah. Um, and by the way, Facebook sends us analytics on a weekly basis, yeah. sometimes more. Yeah. They really want me to keep checking our guaranteed video analytics a yeah. lot. Anyone yeah. else? Yeah, Anywho, I never look. Um, but and I like analytics. Have I you? Just don't, me too. Yeah. Uh, for those of you who see a subscription on YouTube, you haven't checked in a little bit, and you see there's two, three, four, twenty other videos by that subscriber you didn't see because they have low view counts. That is the algorithm at work. We get this every video now. Like people saying, I didn't realize you'd made anything since this video, since that I would video. love to know how many people those people are subscribed to. Yeah. Because um, personally, I am subscribed. I'm still... I'm. The people that I'm subscribed to, the list dates back 10 years. Most of them don't post anymore. Sure. 
Um, so there's probably like three or four accounts that I'm still subscribed to that actively post. Yeah. The problem is a couple of them post a lot. They post a new video, you know, every week or sure. two. Yeah. Um, so I don't look at my subscription box cause it's mostly just one or two channels that I don't need to watch immediately. Yeah. I'll catch up to them when I'm feeling like just watching them for a while. Yeah. Um, but I just don't use the subscription box and that's what happened with Captain Disillusion. He had sure. all these great videos that I, uh, just hadn't watched. And he puts out a video once a month, he's going to get buried. And that's, that's a natural consequence of just a democratized video sharing platform, right? Yeah. Like that, the more I, people I, who use it, the harder it is to compete. I was kind of okay with that. Mm-hmm. Like up and all these issues with like people just flooding the market with like, you know, I wouldn't, I don't want to say clickbait, but stuff that easy, easy algorithm bumps. You know, like just just if everyone's Googling Black Panther, make a Black Panther thing. Um, Katy Perry left shark fidget spinner. Everyone's going to be talking about that. And yeah. even that sounds like something from two years ago. It it's, is. That's it why is. I said that conspicuously <laughs> but, dated. But it, it, it in the last four months or so, it's it's gotten real bad. Like it's like it's getting to the point where Wall Street Journal is having to write about this. Like what is there? Basically, what uh, do you, what what are we losing? Like like or, or, or what are we gaining? I guess what what is the is there any pro for the consumer with these algorithmic uh, uh, um, presentations of content that people are giving out usually for free on Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube? Like what- theoretically, there is a yeah. channel like mine, yeah, uh, which doesn't post that often and is unlikely to. I just like when I post, it's not likely to show up in in the top of your subscription box if you subscribe to people who post every day. Um, I'm just going to get buried. You're not going to see it. Um, theoretically, if YouTube thinks that you like my videos because you watch similar videos, they'll be more likely to show my video to you in a uh, you know in on the sidebar or I don't know if the subscription box is out of order now or what, but um, in theory that should help someone like me get to the people who traditionally would like my videos. Yeah. Um, and I don't know if that's how it's working or not. It might be because, you know, we, we posted two or three videos in like a 10 day span. Yeah. And, um, some of the comments were like, Oh my God, you guys are posting a lot of stuff. And we were like, yeah, we haven't been able to make a lot of stuff at this high frequency in a long time. And it the, pumped up in the Patreon, the Patreon support us, allowed us to do that. And then we just looked and we watched like, some of our, I mean, some of your videos have literally millions upon millions of hits. Mm-hmm. One of them has like a hundred million, 150 or something like that. Yep. And like, typically, you know, we have a certain amount. We were like, okay, we'll get like 30,000. And if the video's good, it'll go up from there. But like your monster breeder video, like 20,000 hits like a week or so in. Mm-hmm. And I, we think that's because, I think that's because we posted a high frequency of videos. So YouTube goes, oh, to hell with it. I'm just, this isn't going to get pumped up because also there's like Kickstarter links and Patreon links yeah. and they know that they see that and they probably think, well, why would I want them to watch this video? If they're just going to click off YouTube should probably have some sort of kicks, uh, Patreon equivalent, but they can't mm-hmm. because YouTube runs this gambit of, uh, well, they know a lot of people are posting copywritten stuff and they can't, they will demonetize you as they should because it's illegal to, you know, profit off that stuff. But this cottage industry of Patreon it, it, it works kind of out for everyone in the end because you give an incentive for content creators to make stuff. YouTube can kind of sidestep the legal issues and everyone keeps getting their content for free, you know? Yeah. So, Speaking yeah, of which, yeah. excellent segue, Kevin, <laughs> that s- should you be uploading copywritten audio or video 
content with the disclaimer from that from that piece of uh, legislation stating that this under this article and this article I have not memorized this. I'm sure there are those that have it tattooed backwards in their foreheads so they can read it in the mirror. I think it's in the beginning of your Lenny Kravitz video. As a joke, yeah. yeah. <laughs> no copyright uh, intended. Is that what you're saying? Or yes, that this is for educational which is purposes. Not a sentence. Therefore, and... I get to upload it. Then you don't get to make money. It's that simple. If this is purely being shared for educational purposes, yeah. or courtesy of Warner Brothers, Paramount, whatever, you don't get to cash in too. If you if you mm-hmm. provide, sorry, it's weird because if you provide like a commentary service or like some sort of Something that an audience finds of value, yes, right, like like an editorial, like Captain Disillusion does it exactly right. Yeah, his clips, you know, he's very careful about how long his clips are, whether they have a credit in the corner when he shows them. And he gets content ID'd all the time, all the time. But YouTube often sides with him. Yeah, um, but like if say you upload twenty minutes of footage from the latest superhero movie and you talk over, like, here's what I thought about that movie. If enough people think it's worth listening to you. if they want to keep hearing you talk about it yeah they're going to go to that cottage industry of patreon they're going to pay you there and there's there's no connective tissue between patreon and youtube other than these links that just google has no association with them and vice versa mm-hmm. it's just that, remember a couple of years ago when youtube was gonna do they started rolling out like the tip button and all that stuff yeah yeah, yeah. that's still there i don't know is that gone I, I bet they realized, oh, we can't have like people directly funneling money because they probably shaved like 5% off of that or 20% or something mm-hmm. like that. It'd be 30 if it was iTunes, which that's literally the percentage iTunes takes, 30%. Um, Patreon takes like, after credit card fees, like one and a half or something. It really, it's really low, right? Yeah, Patreon, yeah, Patreon's very fair. They're very fair. Um, and they, they're very open about this. They're, yes. they're this trying, is our business model. This yeah. is our cut off the top. That's yeah. the service we provide. Yeah. So I guess what I'm getting at is, I hope we've identified what social media neutrality is, but basically like I, I want to hit on that again is you go on Twitter, you post a YouTube clip. It will not get noticed as well as a native Twitter video upload. Twitter video is limited to two minutes, 20 seconds. So does that mean we should make videos that are less than two minutes, 20 seconds, regardless of where they're uploaded? Do you, you or do we like if we want to make a seven minute movie like Year of the Snake, we have to make like a fifteen or thirty second tease for Twitter specifically, which yeah. I kind of like doing because yeah. I, I like you yeah, like cutting yeah. stuff down and promoting and making yeah, commercials. Yeah, yeah I like doing that, but it gets to a point where like, are the only videos that are going to really take off now going to be these like thirty second Instagram friendly videos? I don't know what the Instagram's limit is or, or, or Vine equivalent. Instagram is about a minute now or fifty nine seconds. Is it? Yeah. So I think it's one minute. Actually, so, so, like, when you, is, when is you start it, playing it. Like it, it, it stinks because YouTube used to be the biggest fish in a small pond in terms of accessing not just video but like audio too and podcast and stuff. Yeah. And now there's you know, Facebook. Once Facebook video hit, I think that that's sort of when like there was an elephant in the room. Like, oh, Facebook video is just gonna be reuploads of YouTube content. And yeah, it's a it's a weird thing because it really is. You can't legislate it. You shouldn't. It's you know, it's a website's prerogative and there are websites you go to specifically because they do have curated content and uh, whether or not it's done by an algorithm or, a, you know, a human being um, doesn't matter. And, you know, a, a site like Twitter should be allowed to decide what content goes on their website so they can 
theoretically ban Nazis from posting on it. Um, they should do that more. Yeah. So you really just kind of, it's just, it's a matter of taste ultimately Yeah. that uh, YouTube is not working the way it, you want it to. Yeah. And that Facebook is a, you know, difficult game to play if you're trying to promote yourself or just get eyes on what you're making. What's the message as content creators mm-hmm. we're getting from YouTube and Twitter and Facebook? Is it, make stuff less frequently or I, I feel like you fall into two camps. You either make stuff super frequently like every day mm-hmm. or like a big podcast once a week and a bunch of like five minute clips Monday through Friday. Right. A lot of people do that. Or do you go the captain D route, which is sort of what we want to do, which is one big video a month. Yeah. Uh, and the algorithm will do its job. I don't know. Because the first video we put up last month was the Frosty video, Thumpity Thump Thump. It did well enough. And then the second we put up our uh, Daxter Flaxter Boston Underground video, mm-hmm. like it was just like like an axe dropped, right? Yeah. You know what I mean? It's weird. Like I, I think the only Well, people- the, I'm looking at the analytics, the cutoff going from those first one or two days, depending on what time of day you posted it, yeah. you're going to have like a bump up here. And then it, unless it takes off, um, it really just crashes. And on my channel personally, a video that is not brand new or in some way cemented as a viral hit that people keep coming back to is only going to get like 200 hits a day ultimately sure. from just uh, organically people just like watching all my videos or just having it um, show Checking up. through the subscription as, box. Yeah. yeah. Or not. No, not on the subscription <laughs> box. I think it all just comes from people uh, going to my channel and watching every video. Yeah. With that, Ryan, what do you what What's the message you get as someone who wants to make content for the internet? I don't know because even even the way that Facebook has been treated, uh, I was just listening to this on NPR. That's a very Ryan Murphy sentence, by the way, for those of you who are new to the podcast about the uh, trials and crazy old Ryan Murphy. (laughs) (laughs) They were discussing Mark Zuckerberg and his weird friendship slash hatred slash thing ongoing with uh Rupert Murdoch among other interesting p- and the fact that the uh the discussion ended with how do you feel about Facebook right now versus a year ago it was specifically discussing Facebook's decision with, with uh Facebook's decision to uh not curtail as much a term I hate but we have to use it fake news in response as a knee-jerk reaction to the perception the very manufactured perception that they were actively promoting a more liberal, a more left-leaning agenda, therefore actively squashing yeah. problematic, incendiary hate speech, right-wing could be seen as uh, biased. And it they should have, in light of, the, it's now the year 2018, um, there's an absolute substantial, my God, we fucked up. We were the bad, F- we Facebook screwed up. Has, Facebook has like, basically apologized like, yes. like, repeat, like yeah like we we should have policed bs content on our website and people start going oh that's like a liberal bias like a reality has a liberal bias if that's what you're arguing because they the things that they are trying to weed out i mean i'm I, citing I, my source from npr clearly yeah, i have a liberal bias they, I, I know but, i know youtube the number came out recently they have like tens of thousands of people actual people that will go through and try to get rid of really problematic crap like like torture porn and stuff yeah like 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 logan paul tasering something like one of their tens of thousands of people at youtube that i i I thought it was purely just like a a a guilty until proven innocent thing but i guess youtube does have people that 
police this stuff. And I assume yeah. Facebook now has to too. And they make so much money. They make so much money, billions of dollars. I'm glad to hear that they have people they've hired to do this stuff. And Facebook, if they're capable of policing and looking through and be like, well, clearly Obama's not a Martian. We have to not let that propagate. Um, if it's not- Are you sure? Are you sure? Um, if, if, if Facebook is to remain- a non-public commodity if it's not going to be some like government mandated network it's crazy to think it's just that popular literally billions of people and there's only seven and a half billion of us i can't imagine a public social media a state-sponsored social media that i definitely can i i mean now could people argue a first amendment thing could could people argue a first amendment thing with like what how could why are you banning my stuff on facebook yeah that's the thing that's kind of the um advantage of privately owned social social networks and the thing you really got to push for is curtail hate speech you know you really have to because we we live in a country that has a weird relationship with hate speech Mm -hmm. um uh and a weird tolerance for it um so you kind of have to appreciate that companies like twitter and facebook are owned and can do whatever the hell they want and you have to promote the idea that what they should want should be to not be evil. It, to when use it comes the to Google, when it comes to people not living in their own bubbles, because that's not healthy either. That's just institutionalized ignorance. Uh, I've never liked the answer of then go make your own website because that's not practical or realistic yeah, for true. most people. I'll make my own Facebook. <laughs> but Facebook. What's going to happen Google if there's going to be an angle? What if happens if there's going to be some Alex Jones Infowars social media network? For all I know, there already is. There but might there be. There is Reddit. So <laughs> you remember a few years ago? No, 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 <laughs> not not Reddit. I, I kind of uh, like Reddit. No, I kind of like Reddit too. I've been very anti-Reddit in the past. Never go on Reddit. Never, uh, go, never on go on Reddit. Yeah, and I still <laughs> think that's a huge problem with Reddit. But the past couple of years, they really cracked down on that kind of stuff. Yeah. Because of that perception. They've done better. Yeah. And um, a lot of their shittiest people started their own website called Vote, V-O-A-T. Um, and it's just a cesspool. Oh, and that's exactly what you're talking about. It's, we'll gross. start our own Reddit. But and how it's popular like the Daily Stormer how, how, level but, shit? But how it, popular oh. is it? That's exactly it. It's kind of like a toilet. You can just put them all in and flush, you know? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I love that. Maybe Google and YouTube, maybe their cross to bear is they need to educate their user base that you got to click that bell because subscriptions don't mean what they used to. It just means that it's almost like a bookmark when you go to YouTube, right? Yeah. I, I think I think that I mean that's maybe that's more our. Cost. I mean, the bell could become its own problem if someone's belled on a hundred. There's a bunch of networks that have that problem though. Didn't Instagram have a similar thing? I'm sure they did. But yeah. basically, that's like basically that's what maybe we have. Maybe we as people that make stuff have to reach out and t- basically beg the 600,000 you know usernames like hey please click this because I, I hate to break it to you a lot of those like, aren't real people a lot of I my know subscribers not, but are it's just, more are than ghosts. Ghosts. like they're statistically dead. huge a number of them are dead oh, of course <laughs> but, <they're>, but, <laughs> we, but there are but i think maybe that's maybe that's on us because some of our videos like get just, just organically before it propagates to like reddit or dig or whatever like people do notice it in that first 24 48 hours less than they used to because of these algorithm influences and is that is that is it as simple as that do we have to play that game and say okay well now we got to get people to notice that damn bell you know like is, is it simple my as that? Ju- my mental jury's still out on that 
And yeah, my criticisms of Facebook, not so much the algorithm for content distribution specifically, is a slightly different uh, thing. But uh, again, the, my mental, in my mind, the jury's still out. Um, but yes, it's I don't see a, a version of content distribution that doesn't involve really hamming up, but do it thoughtfully and as a quick little bit at the end, just like again, we don't know Captain Disillusion, but we're not just stroking his comp you know his ego here but we really do like his stuff yeah I, he's I, a model to build your work after he's good at this i feel like there's a saturday morning block of kids entertainment that we would like to belong with it would be like us and him and then like <laughs> the muppets yeah <laughs> like we really that'd be great maybe, maybe a sabrina the teenage witch revival oh, after yeah. that like <laughs> sabrina the 40 year old <laughs> i think they're bringing back sabrina to netflix not melissa oh. joan hart though oh it's a shame so all right let's all right, let's take, a, let's take okay. our pee break. It'll be real great. And we're back with this episode of Guaranteed Audio's quiz segment. Every episode of Guaranteed Audio, one of the three of us or a guest host gets to be the quiz master. And this episode's quiz master is, of course, Neil. Ha <laughs> ha. Neil, explain the rubric and means of your quiz. Well, it's uh, not a quiz. It's Jeopardy, the game from the past and present made famous by Alex Trebek um, and uh, we're going to play it, and the categories I've picked for you are Weird Al Yankovic, Game Shows, Shitty Advertising Mascots, The Italian Renaissance, and Guaranteed Video, cool. which is our videos that we make Okay. To test your knowledge. So um, anyway, uh, you don't have buzzers, so just like slap your thighs or something, and we'll use an honor system to see, you know, who slapped first. Basically, Ryan drove further, so I think you should get you should get the yes. first. Yes, Ryan, you get you. first pick. Yeah. All right, I'm gonna take Weird Al Yankovic for a hundred. All right. This 1988 film features both Weird Al Yankovic and O.J. Simpson. What is UHF? Uh, Kevin Slap. Oh wait. So okay, oh, okay. Sorry, right, I should right. explain. Yeah, you do have to buzz it. Okay, got it. Yes. What is the Naked Gun? Correct. He was a naked gun? Not I know OJ is, but Weird Al? Yes. Oh, yeah. The, he gets off a plane at one point. I don't, he's actually in all of the naked gun films. He's like the big celebrity cameo in Naked Gun 3. Yes. It's like they treat him like <laughs> it's a big the deal. Big. They got him. <laughs> anyway, um, Kevin, you get to pick I'll take up. shitty advertising mascots for 100. Okay. And by the way, you buzz in after I finish talking. Got it? Got it. His middle name is Entertainment, and before 1995, he was a rat. Ah. Charles Entertainment Cheese. Correct. From Chuck E. Cheese. Yes. Oh, my God. All right, Ryan, you pick the next. I'll take shitty advertising mascots for 200. This member of the Burger King Kids Club used a wheelchair. Kevin, you got it. Kevin got it. No. Oh, my God. Beep, beep, beep. All right. Who is Wheels? Yes, correct. Shit, it was Wheels? (laughs) I was thinking... (laughs) I was, like, I was thinking, wheels. No way, I'm a bad person. There's no way they would call it wheels. No, shit. Okay. He's called wheels, guys. They've come so far teaching us all about net neutrality. Oh my Thank God. you. I didn't realize. Burger King. I, I said it twice in one day. All right, Ryan, you get the next uh, next pick. And remember, after I finish talking is when so you say oh, okay. Shitty advertising mascots for 300. These cereal mascots at one point promoted Winston cigarettes. I, I did it again. Okay. No, uh, who it. are Snap, Crackle, and Pop? Incorrect. I lose those points. Do you lose? Yeah, you lose points. In Jeopardy, you do lose when you say the wrong thing. All right. Okay. uh, Does no one know? Oh. um, 
Barney, Rubble, and Fred Flintstone. Correct. Ah! Smoke me. I'll get you with the Renaissance category. <laughs> so maybe. All right. Uh, <laughs> well, now we have to fall. We. All right. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Shitty advertising mascots for four hundred. In a 1994 ad, this character fights Darth Vader, escaping only when the villain's lightsaber dies. Uh, who is the Energizer Bunny? Correct. You remember Damn. that ad? Oh my god. I'm sorry, Kevin. Don't I'm, worry, Kevin. Don't I'm, worry. I'm There's a lot of questions. I'm. <laughs> All right, Ryan. Next pick. The Italian Renaissance for 100. <laughs> These four radical amphibious brothers were named after Italian Renaissance painters. Thank you, Ryan. <laughs> Who are the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles? It's not Correct. Really a Renaissance question. <laughs> a four-year-old could have gotten that. I'm still in the. Nugget. All right, Kevin. Um, I'll take guaranteed video for 100. I need some. In points. Computer Fighters, this real-life athlete is a playable character in the titular video game. Who is Charles Barkley? Correct. Yes. I knew that. It would All be right. bad you, if I didn't you're know. You're back zero. <laughs> okay, back right. in the... Uh, I'll take uh, game shows for 100. This game show featured a giant human nose. I can picture it, too. <laughs> it was gross. Didn't you have to go in the nose? What is Double Dare or Family Double Dare? Correct. Ah, it's just Double Dare. Yeah. You did have to go in the nose. Or you had to get something out you of the nose. You had to get a flag out of the nose, ah, guys. That's right. Mark Summers weeps. <laughs> Uh, gosh, um, I'll, uh, let's stick with game shows for 200. In 2002, this musician was spotted in the audience of The Price is Right, clapping and cheering next to his grandfather. Mm-hmm. You don't know? You don't know. I don't know. The correct answer is Trent Reznor. <laughs> what? <laughs> You've never seen these pictures? Yeah. It's great. It's truly... He was it, famous by 2000. Very famous. Oh, yeah. Famous. It's just Trent Reznor. He's dressed up. He's, he's, <laughs> it's great. It's wonderful. He's worth his... Is he wearing like a big white Price is Right t-shirt? No, I think he is wearing black maybe or darker colors, but he is... He wow. looks happy. He's having a good okay. time. Okay. So no one gets it. Um, I I'll, think... I'll take Game Choice for 300. In 2001, Paul Rubens hosted a short-lived TV adaptation of this video game. Uh, what was You Don't Know Jack? Correct. Ah. Oh. Never seen it. You're right. It is based on a video game. Yes. Um, let's clean out game shows for 400. Before they were famous, Tom Selleck, Steve Martin, Michael Richards, and serial killer Rodney Alcala appeared as contestants on this show. What is the dating game? Correct. Ha-ha! <laughs> oh, man. Wasn't John Hamm on the MTV ripoff of it? Oh, really? Yeah, I think yeah, so. Yeah, like yeah, before yeah, yeah. he was fame? Oh, that's yeah, not yeah. even the full list. Yeah, yeah. I think um, it yeah. was like, Phil Hartman was on the dating game. Yeah, yeah, stuff. yeah. 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 Uh, the Michael Richards one is weird, by the way, because it's from the 60s dating game. So it's like 10 years before he was in anything else. Wow. He, I think, was in the army afterwards. Wow. But he's like 17 or something. It's, it's, it's weird. Funky. Look I'm gonna look that, I am going to look that up. Yeah, he doesn't use any slurs. It's okay. <laughs> um, Shots yeah, Ryan, Ryan, you're picking. The Italian Renaissance for 200. <laughs> I hope these are in one year, the average American eats 23 pounds of this Italian dish. Kevin. <laughs> what is spaghetti? Incorrect. <sighs> Sorry. What is lasagna? No, that's also incorrect. All right, uh, neither of you got it right. It's uh, pizza. That's not... I think this is secretly a Ninja Turtles category. <laughs> Damn it. Uh, I don't know whose turn it is. Uh, Ryan's. No, no, I got that one wrong, too. I, so I think... It, yeah, Kevin, you pick. Guaranteed to video for 200. In the background graphics of uh, It's the World Wide Web, uh, they feature a vintage version of this website. What is GeoCities? Incorrect. Damn it. Are you sure? Is that's under there too? There's no GeoCities. I'm sorry. There's a GeoCities-esque website 
but this is a real website. You don't know? All right. I edited the correct. Already. Yeah, it's Yahoo. I was going to say Lycos. So oh, I'm glad close. that oh. I didn't answer. <laughs> Damn it. Okay, uh, Kevin, still your turn. Guaranteed video for 300. I need some points. In the money tree, a headline reveals that Prince has been hired to write music for this Broadway musical. Oh, oh we were. I think, Kevin, you, I think you figured it out. What first. was Fart Wars? Correct. <laughs> the correct answer this is was Fart Wars. So, fart this is wars. so self-indulgent. Guaranteed video for 400. <laughs> This is the telephone number for Ryan Murphy's psychic hotline. I know the first four numbers. <laughs> <laughs> you could probably guess it. I'm not gonna. No one's gonna I'm, take I'm down by 500 points. All right. The correct answer is one nine hundred five 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 Ryan question mark. Okay. Sorry, the correct question. All right. Uh, still, Kevin. Let's yeah. get to. Let's get back to the Italian Renaissance or 300. Due to censorship, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles cartoon was broadcast in the UK with this title. I believe oh, it's yep, Kevin. Teenage Mutant Hero Turtles. Correct. Because Ninja had a, a has a more negative connotation. They didn't like the nunchucks in any or yeah. anything. I don't know why they yeah. were so sensitive about. They could like specifically show, nunchucks. Yeah, yeah. Swords, fine. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Kevin. Italian Renaissance for four hundred. These four radical amphibious brothers starred in a cartoon produced by Deke Entertainment. You don't know? Hang on, hang Amphibious. on. Oh, it's not Biker Mice from Mars. <laughs> it's not You're Extreme Dinosaurs. The Ninja Turtles were not. Um, Mondo Gecko, Geckos are not amphibians. I, I, oh, there's too much of the shit. You've run in my out head. of time. Nope. I'm gonna. Mm. You're gonna buzz in. Answer in the form of a question. By the way, who are Battletoads? Incorrect. Damn it! They're. The correct response is, who are the street sharks? I was thinking that, yes. but I know if sharks were technically... You know what? The street sharks are... are amphibious. Okay. They swim and they walk okay. around on the street. All right. All right. So, uh, Kevin. Weird Al Yankovic for 200. 1996's The Alternative Polka begins with this song. Uh, running with scissors is when my weird owl <laughs> music knowledge really kicks in. So I knew this one by heart. Sorry, I'm picturing so many of. There are some great. Well, this might be the best polka. I think. Oh yeah, this is my favorite of the of the polkas. <laughs> I don't think we know it. Okay, sorry. Uh, well, you, no points lost. Uh, it was a loser by back. Damn it! We all yanked it for three hundred. Yes, it is. Three hundred, huh? Al's only song to have an extra gory version. What is? The night Santa went crazy? Correct. Ah, it is. Good job. Oh, Kevin's in the lead now. One more. Read all Yankovic for 400. Al wrote a new song for the soundtrack of this 1999 anime. What is the Pokemon movie? Correct. <laughs> well, close enough. It's the Pokemon the movie 2000. <laughs> anyway, that's all the questions. Uh, and it was a really close game, actually. Kevin. That was fun. That yeah, was Kevin, you, you won by 100 points. Wow. $100. Wow. I have to pay you now. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, uh, Alex Trebek has to pay you now. Ben Stein has to. No. <laughs> Let's take a quick break, and we're yeah. going to come back with our Q&A segment from our patrons, uh, and then we'll leave. Yes, it'll be real great. What is a question? That's what we're going to get to the bottom of at this juncture here in Guaranteed Audio Episode 7. We're going to go into the Q&A segment in which we pull questions exclusively from our patrons mm -hmm. every episode. You can put your questions in, too, if you back us for literally anything. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, uh, we'll, we'll take your questions. Yeah. Um, so I got a bunch here, gentlemen. 
This comes from Jen Skuller. Skuller. Jen asks. Thank you, Jen. What animated film or TV show would you guys like to see get the live action treatment? If any. And who would you cast? Ryan. You know, I have... This has already happened, which was I watched season one of Attack on Titan on Netflix. I was engaged. I was intrigued. I thought it was cool. There is a live action production that's been out for over a year now, but I just haven't seen it yet. And I will. I thought to myself, of all the things that could be legitimately uncomfortable, really creepy, this anime hit would hit the nail on the head. So, yeah, I'm going to go with, uh, when it comes to an animated production, Attack on Titan, and perhaps next time's Media Current, I can follow up with that. Neil? Uh, please man. don't steal mine. Hey, oh, you're gonna pick reboot? No. <laughs> <laughs> Just be computer fighters. I actually, I don't think I've ever seen an episode of reboot, but oh, it would gosh. really defeat the purpose of reboot to turn really? live action. <laughs> it's just the Matrix. Um, man, a uh, cartoon I actually enjoy that I would like to see live. I don't think there's anything I would really want that to happen to, but I. If they're ever going to do a live action Simpsons, I'm going to be morbidly curious. Uh, did you either of you see the Beauty and the Beast live action adaptation? No. I am, I'm, I've I'm seen it. pieces yeah. of it. It's it's does it's not fun. I don't like the character designs. I don't like the way they redid the songs. Their yeah. accents are all over the place. Yeah. Um, it's not if either go go big or go home. They either they're either in France. Their opening song is entitled Bonjour. <laughs> Just yeah. Oh, it's in French. Uh, I, I'm not, I want to be excited for the Little Mermaid adaptation, but I, I just can't, I have to see something. I just hope they don't change too much. Um, for me, I think it'd be cool to see a live action adaptation of Hey Arnold. Um, Hey Arnold <laughs> wasn't afforded a lot by being animated. Um, so maybe by virtue of making it live action, it would take something special away from it. But I think it'd be kind of cool these days for children to have a show where their protagonists aren't super famous or magical or for lack of a better word, spoiled in some capacity. Cause that seems to be kind of had a cool room, but his parents were dead. (laughs) And he also, you know, like he had, he he had to like scrimp and save to get money. Like, you know, he lived in a boarding house. Yeah. Yeah. Arnold's cool room was clearly engineered by Arnold. Cause it wasn't grandpa. Yeah. 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 Guarantee that. Guarantee Uh, that. So I I think Arnold would be a cool, a cool way to play against the modern uh, trope. A lot of modern kids, live action TV shows are about, celebrities or fake stuff i mean nickelodeon had a huge part in kind of oh of course oh yeah yeah next question joe shuttle asks neil monster breeder is a great new game for those who don't know neil made a video game called monster breeder thank you arguably a video game arguably a video game (laughs) well you play it in your browser it's a browser game but it's it's pretty fun joe asks think you guys can make it into a short film or is the video game to movie genre still a toxic area to tread? <laughs> Ooh, could I would love to make a, a, a fan film for some video game. Like maybe like Lester the Unlikely or something that we'd enjoy doing sometime. Beat James Rolfe to it. Yes, exactly. <laughs> James Rolfe um, like rips up his script like you guys beat. Damn. Didn't even call me. <laughs> um, uh, maybe, I don't know. I think the, the fun of Monster Breeder is it's all in your imagination. It's a totally text-based game. Um, it would be, uh, really hard to even add illustrations to it, let alone make monsters. I don't even know how we would make one monster special effect in a video. Um, I'm picturing some Jeff Goldblum with the fly machine. 
It's just a nightmare. Yeah. It's just an abomination. <laughs> it doesn't work. But maybe someday we'll do like a Pokemon-themed video or something. I, I think if we were to do a video based on Monster Breeder, I would want to make a 30-second ad in the style of a lo-fi 80s video game commercial. Mm. Not like a 90s serial commercial, which is what we sort of did with Daxter Flaxter in Boston Underground, but a little more like like VHS banding and like, you know. Like in the style. Nintendo Entertainment System. Oh, yeah, like that old like Mario video. Where yeah, exactly. They, yeah, yeah. yeah, I think that'd be Mario, a great. Where are you? Um, Joe also asks, Ryan, you've made a bunch of creepy videos. Do you have any plans to utilize guaranteed video to make some creepy shorts of yours into a reality? Would you ever want, so Ryan does a bunch of creepy pastas. He's written some of awesome original spooky stories would you ever want to take any of them and make them into i don't know traditional narratives because usually you have a video component same as joe correct joe shuttle joe um i hope you're listening to us right now and i hope you're also watching neil would you please do some magic kevin and neil have not seen this yet but i brought this little guy over (laughs) oh wow in our group message facebook messenger which we could just use google or text or there are a great many ways beyond facebook has this been here the whole time yes yes <laughs> go on this feels uh, like a mr rogers segment like well what did you bring Ryan? they the guys have not seen this one actually neil would you please sure put my fighting arm up i'm talking on ryan's audio channel now hi kevin <laughs> there we go all right so for those of you listening at home i hope you also get the chance to see the video or you won't know what we're talking about there is a wonderful horror trope, Joe, at home, that, uh, like in Say Cheese or Die, the Goosebumps literature, or in the episode of The Twilight Zone, uh, about the uh, camera that also grants wishes, but something bad happens. Or in <laughs> Keep going. the Dark, when they had the camera that killed... Yeah, yeah. Yes. Well, this camera doesn't necessarily kill things, but it's... Necessarily. But this camera reveals the... Not the upside down. I'm not going to use that term. This reveals the shadow realm, the supernatural realm, the camera that can see supernatural things because the camera is haunted. Ladies and gentlemen, with a green velvet interior, feast your eyes on, I believe, 1967, heavier than she looks. I've got some of the original lenses to them. I have the original manual. I actually, I have the, uh, what do you call it? The light meter. And if you look for, I would have bought this guy for the Ooh. interior alone. I've even got the little oil it originally came with to like yeah. clean the guy. Wow, Here. this is cool. And oh, I wish I you could see this. this. Listen, <laughs> hold on, not up. that yeah. the camera. So yeah, it's just a oh, man. It's so heavy. It's, it, it is heavy. Like, looks like a World War One night vision goggles. If such it a thing could exist. It smells like old shoes, but not shoes that have been worn. Just yeah, like old yeah, leather just old shoes. And it's <laughs> Here's got our like catalog to buy other additional products go along with it. Cool. And yeah, I actually haven't even opened our manual yet. We should yet. just make a new Kids in the we're, Rock episode where we get on. record this audio because this sounds cool. And there's a there's like a giant wine. We should just make a movie today. We have all the equipment. Where the hell did I anyway, put this it? Is, this, is this for a video or just something? That... I, that is my plan. I have. Oh, there we go. As And for our patrons at home, you can quote me on this. Should we use this for the script that I'm working on right now? Mm-hmm. One of the patreon patron bonuses will be some kodachrome 2 footage in in eight millimeter that we can actually while shooting with you guys convert this to digital and show you what this camera really looks oh, like man, As that'd be awesome the man Ooh. on main street in plymouth massachusetts guaranteed me that this camera actually works this is the guy who sold me that monkey's paw like where <laughs> is that store still there the guy you bought it off of yeah that's awesome 
That's cool. So yeah, this is a video or not video, but this is a film like motion mm-hmm. motion camera. Yes, it is. Man, cool show. So Joe, oh Bell and Howell Company, great. That I hope answers your question. Joe's got one more. He says, Kevin, not for resale. A video game store documentary, which is a feature film documentary I'm working on. Sounds like it's getting close to completion. How does it feel to be in that final stretch? Uh, it's stressful because I've been filming this with Tom Chalfour for about a year and uh, longer than a year, year and a half, and uh, sticking it all together, trying to figure out a 100-minute narrative. Uh, you know, Coming from the world of corporate video production, I was just thinking in terms of these parallel interviews that would complement each other and all these themes. Mm-hmm. But now that I'm piecing it together, I'm thinking uh, I probably need to stick with one voice for longer periods of time. So th- this is kind of boring, not technical, but boring boring storytelling minutia but um it's i'm confident that i'm gonna have a rough cut in about a month and a half oh cool i didn't know that which is exciting april 15th is kind of when i'm trying to have like which i guess is two months away the ides of april the ides of april um it's exciting i only have a little bit left to shoot i'm actually meeting with greg miller from kind of funny uh at pax east he's a great guy we've met before we have a lot of similar interests uh we both think that tim daly is the best superman um meeting with him jeez it is almost pax east isn't it yeah first week of april yeah um so it's exciting um hardest thing about putting together your first feature film and i'm sorry i've started to have these night terrors the last few weeks as i start thinking about all these feature films i love that are from freshman efforts like Mm -hmm. get out is the first feature film jordan peele made but the thing is you know he got to work in the industry for decades making like 20 minute 30 minute things for me a documentary film where i just shot like 70% of the movie, not knowing specifically where certain components were going to go, then starting to edit it mm-hmm. and then figure out the connective tissue I had to film. That was my strategy the whole time. It's hard. Oh, yeah. You know, I, I've put together a few scenes and it's coming together. It's making me really want to do a traditional narrative feature film that I can know exactly what I have to capture going in. Because I don't like, I, I wanted to try a documentary that wasn't just. Uh, an information delivery mechanism that a lot of documentaries are. People just state facts and recount. It's easier to make a documentary when you're recounting one event or one story and you have four people telling that story for 80 minutes, which is what a lot of documentaries are. So uh, that's how it's going. Next question from Pika Bread. (laughs) Neil, do you have any plans for another Lemon Demon concert in the near future? And if so, where? Um, I don't know. I, it's something I think about every once in a while, putting something together, but I don't have plans specifically, so I can't answer that satisfactorily. (laughs) Um, but, uh, no, I, I did enjoy playing. I just haven't done it in a long time and, um, I, I'm probably really rusty, but, um, if it makes you feel better, I am working on a new, a new album, which is what I'm always doing. (laughs) Uh, Mark Hughes asks, do you think there's any hope for the Terminator franchise or should it be put to rest? Now, full disclosure, I'm not a big fan of bringing back almost any movie franchise. Mm-hmm. Like every now and then, it not every movie is Rocky Balboa or Creed. Most of them are, I mean... Uh, what what are some counterexamples to that? Like Indiana Jones four, a lot of people hated that. Uh, um, a lot of people don't like the prequel trilogy to Star Wars. They've kind of come out the other side though and given enough people what they want. Right? Yeah, actually, I kind of feel like Rocky's success is because it's, I mean, it's an action film, but it's a drama. 
it kind of feels like, oh yeah, these characters do continue existing outside of the story. Yeah, and they're told. Yeah, and like the underdog stuff with Rocky played well into Rocky Six, you know. But I mean, but basically, but with but with an action with action movies, it's kind of more of a diminishing return. So for you, Terminator, don't bring it back. I I mean, uh, if uh, James Cameron ends up actually doing. And was he going to direct or just produce? The, the word is that he's producing the next one and that Linda Hamilton will star in it. Maybe I'll check it out. But again, I haven't seen all of them. I only I like half watched the most recent one. Um, you know, as terrible. cool as that sounds. Jennifer's yeah, name. I have watched them all. They're, they get worse. There's now su- substantially more bad ones than good ones. Even three that, now feels like like it's pretty unnecessary. A, a solid base hit like, oh, that was entertaining. But come on, man. The yeah. first two are perfect uh i was gonna say in order for this franchise to survive to live they need to stop being either an arnold schwarzenegger vehicle or some tongue-in-cheek joke or reference to arnold schwarzenegger they need to get back they need to be the concept of the terminator not just a vehicle and that's so much easier to say than do because he is the biggest name with this franchise i think the only way the terminator movies could be good again is if they were more dreadful like the first two and slower because yeah yeah and the thing is that just goes against everything modern movie manufacturing has become it's you yeah. can't make you know they kind of tried it, it to be 50 million it couldn't be that, a 50 million dollar movie again. that third riddick movie tried to do that yeah and it was it was better than chronicles of riddick because it it tried to go back to like just a simple action movie, like, pitch like black. yeah, like yeah. pitch, pitch black. Great. Yeah. Um, if they could do that with a Terminator movie, that would be cool. But will they? I don't they know. They seem to be convinced Terminator has to be like this, like Iron Man level affair every time now. It has to be these big. Act- Ryan, Ryan, and I were both super excited for Terminator Four. Yeah, I remember the trailer getting me super excited. Which was not Terminator Genesis; it was Terminator Salvation. Salvation. That's had right. a lot going for it. Um, and the it, trailers looked cool. There was a lot of talk about everyone on set had to read Cormac McCarthy's The Road, which yep. is like one of our favorite books. And then you see the final movie, and it's just it's just nonstop action scenes and just really weak script. Uh, the ending got leaked, so they reshot the ending. I, I saw one McGee directed. Yeah, and he yep. his heart you should was not right have place. been fooled. I, I didn't see any of his other yeah. movies before. He almost made Superman. Um, I the stakes don't matter. Yeah, they introduce the actor who I still don't remember, even though I'm the one who keeps bringing up Ted Kaczynski in the Unabomber after that Netflix series he starred in. He's a star of Avatar. He's a star of Terminator. We, we've done this on this podcast before. I think multiple. We can't remember that guy's name. He made a deal with the devil that he gets to be in these huge franchises, yeah. and it just didn't. It's, and I don't know his name. So do you, maybe that's the price of his did, deal with the devil. There you go. So Terminator, know your name. So Terminator, are we saying, it sounds like we kind of want another Terminator, but for them to get it right. Yeah. Right. I, I, and I, I assume they I won't. I guess, but I they got they it right won't. already. It would just be the same movie. If they got I it right. I think they could make a Terminator war movie and just, you just have to not give a damn about continuity and universe building. Just say it's the future war. Things are bad. That's a great setting for a movie. Something with no time travel. Yeah, and just 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 make it the the the, the future war scenes in those first two movies. There's just like a level of desperation that mm-hmm. it's so easy to connect to and romanticize and want to be involved and you want to help. You yeah. want to participate. That's what I would want to see. It has that weird. Um, what is the French expression for? I just don't have the words. Je ne sais quoi. I yes. believe is yes. I don't, French. I don't I, know what. I don't. It's ironic. Like if you don't have the words for that. <laughs> All right, go on. Um, that's actually that's a joke that the that the live action Gaston makes in the live action. Yeah, 
spoiler for that movie that we didn't watch. Um, it would have yeah, those scenes in Terminator One and Summon Two have it's like when you have just a little bit of claymation in the Ray, Ray Harryhausen movie. Your eyes are so drawn. To, if the whole movie was claymation, um, it may be amazing a spectacle, but it really doesn't have that special quality to it that like catches your eye to go ooh. And I thought to myself, There's some real magic in that second yes, opening scene. Yeah. It's incredible. I, I, yeah. So that's it, I guess. Like, I think we've all just succumbed to the fact they're probably going to try again. I, for years, I there were tons of movies. I'm like, no, I don't want another Ghostbusters. It's over. Don't do mm-hmm. it. And they didn't. It was awful. They're like, going to try again because people like us are able to talk at length about this hypothetical movie. It's free marketing. It's free marketing. Damn it. Uh, yeah, but, uh, you're right. We but... did it. We just caused it. Oops. All right. Next question. <laughs> Bulldozer asks. Thank you, Bulldozer. Well, that, that was that was Mark Hughes. This is Bulldozer who asks, you get to revive a famous dead person so you can spend one day with them and talk with them. Ask questions mm-hmm. and have a fun time. Do whatever you want. Who do you pick and why? Paul McCartney. <laughs> I was going to pick a Paul. Paul Newman. I think Paul good, Newman good, would be a great conversation. Choice, yeah. And uh, he was just the first person I thought of. Maybe it's because I have relatives that look a lot like Paul Newman and I just feel this affinity towards him. Um, there's probably better examples like old like people who've influenced world politics. Uh, I don't know. I'm trying to buy you guys time. Have you thought of anyone better than Paul Newman? <laughs> uh, I was thinking of Phil Hartman just because I miss him. Oh, uh, but I feel one. like uh, he... he he might like if he like didn't know he died. He might like come off as kind of an asshole or something. Like, yeah, what are you bothering me for? Oh, <laughs> like, I was in Blasto. I just imagine like for that for, like you get a day like literally twenty four hours, but most of the time is him hairless from the goo machine, just like scream <laughs> gasping for breath, trying to get his eyes to <laughs> work. That machine like, from Casper, but he comes out looking. Yeah, oh, he's just geez. he's gonna take more than twenty four hours to finish up. So you're not really doing him favors. So I should pick someone who doesn't. I deserve. I really wish the Casper movie was more of a major blockbuster because I would love. Remember in the Casper movie? From oh yeah, the Lazarus machine. There's a machine that can bring you back to life. It would be great to make a parody of that where when you come out, you're like Goldblum and the Fly. Like it's just this horrible. Yeah, horrible, yeah. But you're alive again at what cost? <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, like the half finished pods from uh, the Invasion of the Body, body oh, yeah, Snatcher. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Ryan, who's your choice? Oh Jesus Christ. Yeah, it's Jesus. Oh, just to like clarify. Yeah. So you just like, you can go around telling people like, oh, yeah, actually, I, I hung out with Jesus for a little while and uh, he never said that. Yeah, it, I, also, I think there's a lot to be said for, so it's 24 hours, right? So after 24 hours, he's gone again. Yeah. I think a lot of people have something interesting to say about that. Mm. <laughs> um, Bella asks, so do you guys consider yourself smart? No. <laughs> as in, let's say there's a situation you have to describe the many traits about you as possible without any modesty. Would you use the word smart? Uh, I think smart's a loaded word. Sure. I think, um, yeah, I don't like to, u- I don't like to frame people in terms of intelligence generally. Yeah. Um, but I do think in certain limited ways, I do know a lot of things, but it's, and I think that's true of all of us, but, but it's, it's been by your own volition though. It's by, yeah. It's, you once joked to me, like I can do this, but I can't multiply or drive a car. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> what are you in? Uh, n- for those of you listening and watching at home, I'd like you to consider anyone you've ever met who describes themselves as smart and then consider if they are. Because mm. they're not. They're not. Elon Musk doesn't walk around going, I am so smart. I think he does, like actually. No, I don't think he does. 
I, I think he has a pretty high opinion of himself. Oh, yeah. Oh, uh, irrefutably. And He's this smart enough not after, to say, I am smart, though. This is after he put his own car and his own spaceship to outer space. Did, did, where, didn't our government, like, co-fund that whole thing? Yes, they did. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Huh. Who needs NASA when we got a celebrity who can do this? Yeah. <laughs> uh, um, yeah. For me, I, I don't know. Uh, I feel like we all probably say, like, I'm smart. I can do this. Like when we're trying to do something. If you want to quantify it, like do I'm, I'm a product of a first world What's country with great yeah. education and an unlimited knowledge at my fingertips at all times. Yeah. yeah. What stops me? Yeah. It's amazing. With this, I'm smart. <laughs> with this computer memory. Next question. Let's go. Ben Parchel. If you could use the deep fakes phase substitution process to put your face in any uh. movie... What would it be? What character would you replace? Uh, and what movie character would you least want to have your face on? So if you don't know what deep fakes is, it's uh, basically it's this um, software that got put out recently that allows you to train the software to understand what a face looks like. You need as many samples as possible, hundreds if not thousands of photos of a face. So it learns a pattern, learns a system for what your face looks happy, like. Happy, sad, light, Everything. light, good light, dark light, and then, all kinds of stuff. And then it can track your face onto another person's face and it's surprisingly good at what it does. It looks better than the than uh, the Rogue One face stuff mm-hmm. people are claiming. I don't think that's true. People just, it's sensational. It's I've only good. seen one example video of The it. Nick Cage one. Yeah, the, the, the Nick Cage one's Cage. one of the better ones. Yeah. But it, it is 2018 and it's only going to get better. Yeah, it's a lot of websites have banned it. A lot of <laughs> so, websites have banned it because it, throws any accountability out the window by the way i think you're the first person to say it's 2018 it's only going to get better (laughs) so um for me i thought about this one okay i and this is a spoiler for a movie called dark man which is about a superhero played by liam neeson Mm -hmm. who can change his face to look like other people it's underrated it's an awesome movie it's been ripped off a lot i would change Bruce Campbell's face from the end of the movie with mine. His final disguise. The last disguise of Dark Man when he's kind of put on the mask and he does a take to the camera. If that could be my face. You could do that. That's such a short shot. Yeah. Just do it. Uh, well, all right. <laughs> uh, you have a better answer. <laughs> I mean, you got to do uh, someone who's in the movie the whole time, you know? Okay. I think it'd be fun to do like an Arnold Schwarzenegger, someone who has a really different physique with my. Yeah. <laughs> um. <laughs> I don't know. I, I, for my first thought was stop making sense. Just put put me. It's going to start happening. It's going to start happening. No, like people are going to start doing this with internet celebrities. It's going to be like an iPhone app soon. Like it's going to literally too be much money. App. Yeah, it's too much yeah. money on the table. What about you, Ryan? I'm thinking. I had never thought about this before. Um, what movie would you like to see yourself in? This have you guys heard about the movie The Congress? Ryan, you'd love this movie. No, it I don't. Stars know. Robin Wright. They showed it at the Boston Underground Film Festival a couple of years ago, and it's about Robin Wright plays herself, and in the and her agent calls her up and says, listen, Hollywood is calling. You haven't been in it. This is before House of Cards. Like, you haven't been in a big movie or anything in a long time. Yeah, you're in Forrest Gump and you're in The Princess Bride, but you haven't really had a hit in like 10 years. So this company wants to pay you like some absurd amount of money, like $500 million, some crazy amount to participate in this experiment where they're going to take thousands of photos of your face and a voice sample and you have to do all these emotions, but they're basically going to buy Robin Wright as a property and then they can put you in any movie and this computer simulation will be so accurate that you don't get paid royalties or anything. They can make you do whatever they want. 
in these movies. This movie came out like five years ago, I mm-hmm. think, six years ago. So just before season one, House of Cards? A little before. Okay. Great idea for a movie. John Hamm's in it. Um, huh. But the movie, the first act is all about this idea and this the ethical implications of just selling yourself, but she's the first actor to do it. That's like the setup of the story. Like and she's it, like a Maude Flanders. They figured out the algorithm, the, the ratio between like everyone recognizes you, but it's not so exactly, but you're, but you're not going to be that expensive. We don't want to be Marlon Brando. The time, in, we don't yeah. want they wouldn't do it. With, they wouldn't do it with like Robert Downey Jr. Or something. It'd be way too expensive. Exactly. He's like, I have so many They're already doing do. it with Robert Downey. Jr. Oh, they already yeah, are. Yeah. He doesn't even show up to be in the Avengers movies anymore. It's ridiculous. Uh, so, but uh, that's kind of what Deepfakes reminds me of, is mm-hmm. this movie, The Congress. It's not a perfect movie. You'd really like it. I think you should It sounds it. fright, as we discussed the other day about the, the implications for this uh, kind of technology are really frightening. Politically, in particular? Yes. I was uh, I'm trying say, to think of a movie that we could put all of us in. Um, three Amigos? I, remember so I was three just about to say The Three Amigos. Isn't it weird that three such funny comedians, that movie does not look funny? Could you track, I've noticed could you track the, cartoon it, faces? Could we like go to the Chipmunk Adventure movie from the 80s and put our faces yeah, in? Yeah. <laughs> uh, we just Zemeckis the shit out of that. Just make it a nightmare. I want to be Dave Seville. Um, all right. So one of the chipmunks is just a regular chipmunk. Yeah, we'll leave and Simon. And I'm Simon and you're like Alvin or something and Theodore's just Theodore. <laughs> All right. Uh, we got... So By the way, Dave is great in that movie. I love Dave. He's, got a He's big so tired. <laughs> uh, this is a big one. Melody Doll asks us, I feel like 80s nostalgia has reached peak saturation in the market. Mm-hmm. Is the world ready for 90s nostalgia to take over? My take on this is... 80s and 90s nostalgia have been leapfrogging each other and taking turns for the last 20 years at this point. Yeah, it's weird. I truly believe that the during like right around the year 2000 to the year 2005 is sort of the last period where pop culture had any real concrete identity mm-hmm. um, because that was right around when everything entertainment wise got homogenized among other words democratized too oh, that's like it is like suddenly like if you wanted to listen to like alternative rock music it's not gonna be in the radio we talked about this last episode because you just you just go on Bandcamp or itunes or whatever and find it now it's not going to come to you through the radio like the pop culture zeitgeist is no longer determined by one broadcast uh, and things like spectrum. pandora which a very simple algorithm for figuring out your ta- your tastes yeah to go oh no you're tricking yourself into thinking it's the radio you've curtailed this within yeah. the first few weeks of using the system but, like it just gives you what you want but the 80s and 90s are very identifiable they're very quantifiable yeah like, what is an 80s thing what is a 90s thing i mean the wedding singer came out in 1998 yeah you know? so i think yeah, exactly. i think 80s and 90s are just they're just the things it's going to be lol 80s but it's because the, the 50s aren't that fun the 60s aren't that well they were for a while yeah, i mean yeah but let's, they were for some the people, 80s and 90s huh? are where this is so cynical is where like blockbuster movies and toy manufacturing, everything really blew up post star. Oh yeah. Yeah. And that's, those are just going to be the properties we're stuck with forever. So everything is going to be shades or reflections of that in terms of your hundred to $300 million movie budgets and such. Like it's just going to be recycling everything that happened in the eighties and nineties. Why go back further? If something was successful in the thirties and it lasted to the eighties, you're probably still hearing about it like Batman or Superman. or Yeah. I'm trying to think like, has there been anything that kind of has done the two thousands in a comical or exaggerated way or been able to, there's an episode of uh, workaholics. Yes. I don't know. Like, uh, like better call Saul takes place in the like mid, but it doesn't really, but it does not play it up too much. There's like skaters and stuff, but every now and then someone's cell phone looks silly, but I mean, 
they still just call each other. It's not like they. It's not like they make a joke about their pager. Yeah, yeah they. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, we're describing a pre-internet world. That's the difference. That's the difference between like yeah, because I'm trying to think like it's, it's been a decade since 2008, but I don't have a clear image. Like, there's no caricature of what people dressed like in 2008 yet. And that's what the, the Workaholics episode is a really good joke is about. It, like, that's the kind of. Can the, you yeah. remember how silly we dressed in 2004? Like, and it goes back in time four years. And, yeah. It's, yeah. Uh, yeah. And well, uh, Kevin and I were talking just last week about how watching old VHS footage of the O.J. Simpson trial of the people, pr- the protesters outside, selling T-shirts, selling hats, the footage of the trial itself, all the because we were talking about O.J. again. Mm-hmm. Um, and how you both received O.J. Simpson-themed Christmas gifts this year. That um, when I think about myself, when I think about someone a 1993, 1994 outfit, it is different. The big oversized white T-shirts, and also specifically how people would have dressed right outside of the the kind of suits Johnny Cochran would wear, the kind of pants pants suits Marsha Clark would wear. Um, this is really specific, you know, to the O.J. Simpson trial. But quite frankly, a lot of what they wear and how they would the the choice of words they would use is just not that different. And we're talking a long time ago now. Long enough for like to be a talking point. Yeah. Is 80s nostalgia going to fade away? It, I feel like I feel like we've been talking about we've had this exact conversation since 2005, like once every couple of months. We're like, yeah, here's another 80. Like maybe like Stranger Things. Is, it's not a fast cycle. I think it's it's always been cyclical. Like Mad Men was huge. Um, and that's, you know, such 60s yeah. nostalgia. Like 10 years ago. Yeah, and that was decades after, I think, you know, that's decades after Liver and Shirley, you know? Yeah. Uh, so these things do come back in waves, um, depending on where those people are in their and life. Don't you find it interesting that 60s nostalgia of the 2000s is, um, hey, remember when men could, like, smoke and drink and be misogynist? And they really do romanticize those very negative yeah. aspects. People get the wrong idea when they think that you know don draper's like their idol like no yeah that's not the message of this show 60s nostalgia of the 90s the live action brady bunch film and austin powers is saying these people were fucking jokes <laughs> i think <laughs> these people are ridiculous They're i think cartoons i think yeah, 80s like, and 90s uh, stuff yeah. like is it gonna go away i think what's i i don't think that the public has this kind of influence or declaratory uh, moment they were they can say we're done with the 80s uh Hollywood and the music industry and so and video games and such are just going to keep trying to give you like, okay, here's another eighties thing. Here's another eighties thing. Here's another eighties thing. And it's, it's going to happen. Like every couple of months, something's going to come out. Some things are going to do well. Some things aren't going to do well. And until a lot of this stuff loses money, that's specifically aping from eighties or nineties culture, it's not going to stop. And even when it does stop, it'll only be for a few years. Um, when something really blows up like stranger things, you will then see things that aren't necessarily copycats but influenced by that success, like it finally, it was in development before stranger things, but it finally got made into a movie again because, because of the success in my opinion. It's set in the eighties. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, I, it's better. Uh, yeah. than stranger <laughs> things in my opinion. Uh, no, yeah, it is better than stranger things. Uh, what, are, what have been the big nineties things though? The new Jumanji movie. Yeah. It takes place in the nineties. No, but the Jumanji is a nineties property. And yeah, the but video no, game what have been the big 90s period pieces that make fun of the 90s and exaggerate the 90s? I mean, uh, the, uh, what's her name? Not Ariana Grande, but the Iggy Azalea video for Clueless. Yeah, Katy, Katy Perry's um, TGIF video was a 90s love letter, and that's like yeah. a billion hits, literally mm-hmm. a billion hits. A lot of like Hanson's in the video and stuff like that, Kenny G. Um, 
whenever people bring up like Seinfeld and stuff like that, it's like a nineties pastiche show. Oh yeah. I yeah. mean like literally like most like vaporware is all nineties stuff. Right. Yeah. Vaporwave. Yeah. yeah. Vaporwave. I'm sorry. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, so it's definitely there. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, yeah, I'm trying, I'm just trying to think like, uh, has it, has it gotten into movies and TV yet? Cause like, we got like we still got like eighties TV like the Goldbergs and stuff. And maybe that's what Melody Doll's getting after here. Is nineties gonna take over? I think on the internet, nineties stuff was always big, and maybe they just couldn't bottle it for television or film. Maybe we're forgetting about a big game show or a big movie that really just poo poos the things we're not. Maybe we're not remembering something. Maybe there's like a movie forgetting sp- there are those who would say yeah, 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 yeah. maybe we're but, forgetting. Yeah, I mean, there's definitely there there are movies now that take place in the nineties and stuff, but um. Goosebumps uh, was a '90s thing for sure. I guess it's a '90s property, but the movie it evokes the '90s. Like it's, yeah, it's about, I guess, but uh, I don't know. I, I, think, I, I, I think a lot of the '80s stuff we talked about isn't taking place in the '80s either. There's sure, been yeah. there's been like there's been Stranger Things and like an episode of Black Mirror, but I think more so it's been like this is an '80s thing that you know we can sell again. By well, virtue. that's everything though, because the '80s was such a huge marketing machine and like those things are still around sure sure um but no i mean like you have um super eight well that was like late 70s but super eight was kind of there um yeah. season two of fargo um sure uh even go back to like american psycho is a you know 80s yeah. period piece um man american horror story the real ryan murphy hasn't done one yet yeah he did yeah, Florida he in the 1950s. Oh, well, I mean, hey, the, 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 the O.J. Simpson show. Okay. Yeah, that. Oh, yeah, that is a. Yeah, that's a '90s. Yeah, that like, embraces that it is the '90s. Very much. There's a lot of examples. It's a lot of '90s music. I, I just, oh, um, I just don't think they're going to be the waves yeah. that were. I don't. I don't know if the '80s '90s wave is as concrete as we think it is. I think yeah, it's just probably. always happening now. So, all right. <laughs> well, I guess that wraps uh, up the Q and A segment for this episode. Um, episode eight. 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 Yeah, I guess we could dub it in later if we it's just, nine. We could just check. Eight. How can we? How, how do you lose count at eight? Um, thanks for sticking with us. Thanks for listening to Guaranteed Audio and watching the video component. Should we actually edit it together? Mm-hmm. Um, we'll be back in the near future with more movies and such. As always, correct. Back us on Patreon if you can. Uh, every backer helps make the movies more regular and better. Mm-hmm. We only charge when we make a movie. We don't do them monthly. No coasting. No, yeah, no. We don't coast off people's uh, Patreon goodwill. Uh, Anything else you guys want to say before we cut off? No, I think it's been a fun episode. I have nothing else to say. I feel like we covered everything we possibly wanted to cover. Talked about the 90s. Talked about about our old movies. Talked about OJ. Disillusion. OJ. (laughs) We got a little bit of OJ in there. Did we talk about the Ghostbusters at all? I think I just came up. Yeah. A little bit. I mentioned them. We talked about Batman or I mentioned Superman at one Mm -hmm. point. That's covered. We (laughs) mentioned it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, It's all good. David Bowie came up. David Bowie came up. All the usual staples. Yeah. I guess we'll be back soon with more guaranteed content Mm -hmm. at guaranteedvideo.com. Keep on guaranteeing. It'll be great. (laughs) Oh, my God.